Welcome to the Victorious Souls Podcast with self-love coach, Danielle Burnock. Things happen in our lives that make us feel powerless. But Danielle believes that anyone can become a victorious soul by reclaiming what belongs to them, their value, their belovedness, and their God-given superpower. The Victorious Souls Podcast is dedicated to empowering you to rise up, reclaim, and embrace the change from survive to thrive as a victorious soul through the power of love. And now, here's that lady on the internet who loves you, Danielle. Welcome today to my Facebook page and when this gets uploaded everywhere else. Also, today I have a treat for you, a gentleman who has become my friend, Jeff Chase, who has endured a significant amount of childhood trauma, but he has overcome it. And now he's helping other men do the same thing to get past that and go from survive to thrive. And so I can't wait to introduce him to you. I will bring Jeff on here in just a minute. Hey, Jeff. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing terrific. How about you? Thank you. I'm doing great. Thank you for coming along with me live on Facebook today and letting me share this and all my other social platforms also to help other people go from survive to thrive. And for those who are new to this place, I am Danielle Burnock from DanielleBurnock.com. Love yourself from survive to thrive. That lady on the internet who loves you. And Jeff, tell the people how we met. How did you come across me? Well, I had been following a Facebook post from a gentleman named John. And through the course of following that, I found your Facebook page and started following you and you really resonated with me. So I looked behind the scenes and saw that you were friends with this individual who frankly, I've never met, but I know her daughter <laughs> or his daughter. I know his daughter, his daughter actually cut my hair and oh, I started awesome. following you and following you and following you. And before I knew it, I realized that there was something here. And then just recently read emerging with wings and thought, yep, there, this is someone who not only understands what we go through, but mm -hmm. understands how to get out of what we went through and live, as you say, survive to thrive. Right. Right. So it was, it was, it was, I believe there are no coincidences. So it was definitely meant to be. Oh, that's awesome. That is so awesome. I'm just, it's so funny because I felt the same thing with John. It was like, oh, John knows you. So it's okay. Uh, <laughs> you meet a lot of people online sometimes, and sometimes it's not so safe, especially with what you and I deal with and talk about. You can come across some people that are not so safe because they're predators for people like us. Well, and so I, that's too true. I, I just, I'm just so grateful to have connected with you and just I'm so thankful for what you do also to help other men. That's one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on here was to encourage other men to get the help that they need and to look at what may be the cause of some of their issues. So to start with, why don't you tell the people what are the kinds of trauma that you have endured as a man or as a boy and how old were you when things started in the, the different kinds. Give us a little bit of background. 
Well, briefly, first of all, I would not be the man I am today, the person I am today, or have the life I had today, had someone who had not, who had been through trauma, hadn't confronted me with some of my behavior. That said, I did go to therapy and we realized that the emotional abuse I suffered probably began around five years old. Uh, my mother was mentally ill. She's passed now. My father had left when I was 12 and I didn't have a relationship with him again until I was 17 or about 19, but it was emotional trauma. And then later it escalated to um, abuse. It was um, sexual abuse. Wow. And it, it, that was the summer of my 16th year. But wow. other trauma that I'd also experienced my junior year in high school, a, a gentleman well-known in my high school had suffered a motorcycle accident and I'd seen him die and oh, tried wow. to keep him alive. And the rumor was I'd hit and killed him, which hadn't happened. When I was 19, a gentleman, a, a man in his 30s, father of three, stepped out in front of my car on I-69 on my way home from skydiving one night. And he committed suicide and I tried to keep him alive and he passed away. And then uh, just just a variety of things. And I and I kept dealing with it or I thought I was dealing it with mm -hmm. it in ways that were totally ineffective. And again, it was someone who caught a behavior and uh, frankly said to me, someone who'd known me years earlier, uh, what what happened to you? Yeah. Um, your behavior is messed up. And then explained to me something that happened to her. And that was the impetus, the catalyst for me to begin my journey to get to the person I was today. That was in 2012. Wow. So this journey isn't a short one. But no. And today, <laughs> and then I also met someone else from my past and I became a certified recovery coach. Um, I went through a cert training. I'm now on the board of a group called Endeavor House Ministries. And they are a uh, men's facility for long-term recovery for men who've had substance abuse issues mm -hmm. and they're in the process of building one for women That's but awesome. I answered a question in one of the meetings how many of your clients at a families against narcotics meetings had been abused how many men mm -hmm. the answer I got back was 60 percent wow. the answer now that I've learned is 80 percent of males who yeah. are engaged in some form of abusive behavior be it substance abuse or self-sabotage uh, were abused in some way. Wow. Those are profound numbers. Those Huge. are profound numbers. Yes. And that's a long litany of different kinds of trauma that affect you emotionally from the emotional abuse to, you know, sexual abuse has emotional connotations to it. Oh, and then absolutely. witnessing people dying and, you know, killing someone because they did it to themselves. I'm the, that's profound. And then your dad leaving, that's another kind of trauma because that's a it was. abandonment of some sort. And uh, you had mentioned um, that this person called out your behavior, but you thought you were dealing with it. What were you doing to try and deal with it that wasn't working? I had anger issues. Um, I didn't, I wasn't physically violent, but I would get triggered and would become angry. And so I thought, well, I'll just go down in the basement and I'll count to 10 or I'll read a lot of self-help books or I'll think in a positive manner and I'll do daily affirmations. All of those things have some value. However, yeah. the anger that I was describing, the self-sabotage that I was constantly doing, if things would go really well for me, I would. And someone was to say to me, I'm really proud of you. You're doing well. I remember once my wife said to me, I'm really proud of you. And within days, I stopped doing the behavior that she was proud of. 
the business wow. was going well. I continually sabotaged my success and no amount of, no amount of reading, no amount of mental gymnastics was doing anything. And it wasn't until I learned that you have to walk through the fire with a trained individual and revisit those times and get to the root of the, of the, of the symptoms. Basically yeah. I was trying to fix a symptom without mm-hmm. getting to the cause. Yeah. Yeah, I like how you had put it to me uh, in an email before as you had a trained firefighter walk through the fire with you. I, I like how you said that. And there was something else you had said, too, that if we want God to help us, we have to move our feet or something like right. that. Right. Well, two things. One, I tell people now when I work with primarily men, almost entirely men on a one on one basis or in small groups, I, I tell them two things. You have to walk through the fire. You've got to walk over the hot coals. You, without doing that, without facing what caused the issues you're facing today, in many cases, life-threatening issues, mm-hmm. uh, you're never going to get there. So that actually came to me as a result of one of your questions. Uh, it's okay to walk through a fire as long as you have a trained firefighter at your side. And number two, and again, this is not of my making, but I, I saw this elsewhere. Mm-hmm. If you, People will pray a lot. Please, mm-hmm. Lord, help me. They'll, they'll pray deeply. Yeah. But uh, I'm a firm believer that we are given free will for a reason. Yeah. And if you want God to guide your steps, you have to be willing to move your feet. Right. I just loved how you put that. That's so true. People do pray and they expect it to be like magic. Right. And then they get mad at God because, you know, he didn't perform a Houdini on them. <laughs> right. It's like, well, and there's a lot of jokes about that. You know, there's one about sending a, a helicopter or someone's flooding. Yeah. Standing on the roof. Heard, everyone's heard that. Well, yeah. I sent three people to help you. Well, yeah. I have the people that have helped me. I've thanked because without them, I wouldn't be here. Truthfully, and I have to be honest. I'm not sure if I hadn't done what I did in 2012, Mm -hmm. if I would be here speaking to you today. Wow. I was getting to a point where the self-loathing was beyond anything I could handle. And someone who'd been through the fire (laughs) saw it. Yeah. Yeah. The self-loathing is, is just, it's, it's excruciating. I'm, there's a book uh, by um, Vanderkolk. The body keeps score. And he talks about how the emotions are the most excruciating of pain. And that's not something my generation grew up with. My generation grew up with, you know, just stuff those emotions as if they're nothing. But if you stuff something that's excruciating, <laughs> that's it's not going to work. It's going to pop up somewhere else. And Well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that. I also went through a book, uh, what's called... Um, Camp Reboot, which mm-hmm. is uh, was run by a friend of mine who's a veteran, and it's it's for veterans or anyone with trauma. And today we speak about trauma. However, you know, and they're the Vietnam veterans. It oh, happened yeah. in Korea. It happened in World War II. But you didn't talk about it. Right. And it manifests itself in so many ways. And if if it, it's no different to me, it's an interesting thing for me now. And I'm I have. And shame is what keeps us from dealing with it, especially yeah. men, in my, in my experience. And, and, and society that's not adds to that, women. right? Pardon me? Society adds to that, doesn't oh, it? Yeah, and, and I, I explain to people, there's a difference between being ashamed and shame. Yeah. Ashamed, if I do something that 
it, it makes me ashamed. I can say to you, Danielle, will you please forgive me? I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. And then you have the choice to forgive me or not. Mm-hmm. Shame is put upon us. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've learned. You can't wash off, pray off, hope off, wish off. You have to get someone skilled and trained in the procedure to help you lift it off. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to you about, you know, the, the screws thing, you know, it weighs you down. I don't know how much you want me to go into that, but no. <laughs> once it comes off your shoulders, once it no longer weighs you down, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it went away. It doesn't mean you don't see it. It just mm-hmm. means you learn how to deal with it. And I'm shame. You're a victim of shame. Mm-hmm. You're not, you know, we, we, we self-impose things that we're ashamed of, in my opinion. But when you are victimized, and then you're told by society, mental health, if it was, if it was treated like every other disorder, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have this problem, mm-hmm. but we do. So anything I can do to uh, help someone realize that, A, it wasn't their fault. Yes. B, there's help. And C, it works. That's why I'm here. Right. Right. I do the differentiation with shame because I say that shame is never good with guilt and shame. Like if you did something wrong, you're guilty of doing something. And then you, will you forgive me thing? Whereas shame is like you said, put on you. And cause guilt is about what you did. Right. And shame is about who you are. And that's why shame is so toxic because it attacks your identity. It attacks the very core of the essence of who you are. And that's why it needs to get out. It's why it's so toxic and it just hurts people in so many ways. We become our own worst enemy. Yes. And people will add to it in society until we school them differently that shame is never good. <laughs> it's never good. And it's it does it it doesn't need to be permanent. Right. Yes. I love, I don't know that I could quote it exactly, but Peter Levine said that you know trauma doesn't have to be a life sentence. Back yeah. when they first identified trauma, I mean, they've come a long way with all their study. And I'm glad we're this where we are on the timeline instead of where they were, because it used to be that, you know, trauma was only something that happened to people who were in the war. And so if you weren't in the war, then just blow it off because it's not trauma. You're making a big deal out of nothing. Well, they, and then if they went into they saw that, oh, well, there are other things that do this. And then it was, oh, it, it affects your brain and you're stuck there. And now they know it affects your brain, but you can be healed of it in your brain. The brain can heal. So I'm, I'm thankful for how far they've come and they're keep, we're going to keep learning more and keep moving forward so we can help more people. For example, like PTSD, they, that's uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And there are those who are trying to get that change to post-traumatic stress injury. They because told an injury that can be healed. Yep. They, they use that terminology in Camp Reboot. It's an injury. It's a trauma. Yes. It's not a disorder. Right. And that's, that's what holds a lot of people back from getting help is that, that term disorder, because it feels it labels them as if they're hopelessly broken and as if they did something wrong and that there's no way out. But an injury can be healed. An injury isn't, you know, that's something that happened to you. And so it's a different mindset. And there's so much that is about mindset, but you're right. It's not just mindset. You can just talk yourself out of it. You have to walk through it in whatever way serves you. And everyone needs to do it in their own way. Just like trauma is personal, so is healing. (laughs) So, Well, books like yours are huge, are very beneficial. (laughs) 
and but I also happen to know that you're a coach. And <laughs> I, I, I tell people when I talk to them, if they're willing to listen, mm-hmm. even professional athletes have coaches. Yes. It doesn't matter how far you've come. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to be talking to my therapist uh, very soon, just for a tune-up. Every once in a while, I haven't talked to her for a year. But life gets crazy, and the puzzle pieces get a little scattered. So it's not—it's never bad to go back and revisit the coping skills that you learned the first time. Awesome! That—that's so true. It's so true. And I want to also bring up there's there's a difference between counseling and coaching. Also, there's a time for the counseling. Like you needed a counselor to mm-hmm. walk you through that fire when it's that deep, and you need to go that you need a counselor and a coach can help you be forward momentum. When, you know, maybe you look back for like your rear view mirror, kind of look back. You know, when you're driving down the road, you look at your rear view mirror, your side mirrors and stuff like that. A coach can do that. But if you need to go do the deep dive, you need to get a counselor and get one that works for you, right? Yours worked for you, Jeff. You found someone who they they fit you. And I had been through counseling before where it did not work. And I went through like four counselors before I got the one that did work. So I want to put a little plug out there. If you're looking for a counselor and the first one doesn't work, please don't give up. (laughs) My brother was actually envious of the fact that the first person I talked to, I called nine, three returned my call. I, this was the first one I visited and I walked and I said, oh my God, she reminds me of my aunt. So we, but I want to also add, I used to say, how can anyone go to therapy for five years or three years? Why, you know, and this is another thing I hear. Oh, I went a few times and I'm over it. I'm good with it. And that's yeah, the big line. <laughs> Pardon me? I said, speak to that. <laughs> <laughs> and five years later, um, I walked, we were done. Um, and I tell people now, when you think you're done, give it another three to six months and you'll know because you'll start talking about everything except what you came there for. But, and then a couple of years later, I had some repressed memories and I didn't really think I believed those, but mm-hmm. they came through and I spent a weekend trying not to throw myself off my second story balcony oh, Wow, a few years ago. And I left and went and visited people because I was so afraid of me. And Mm. what had happened, the response I got from the therapist was, you're strong enough to face it now. So we went through that. And then another layer, another layer. And then there was another layer. And at Mm -hmm. some point I realized that I could breathe again. Right now, when things happen, I'm much less likely to be upset about it. But I still, it might bother me, but I hear myself saying, okay, this is one of those triggers, or this is one of those situations where I used to, uh-huh. and now I don't. Right. And that, that it's, it's okay to go back. Going back to the fundamentals is critical in everything. Right. And <laughs> the fundamentals of mental health are not ones I was raised with. I was raised with the oh, fundamentals of mental health. <laughs> So, so people who are specifically trained to walk you through trauma mm-hmm. are priceless. Yes. And people who so. will validate and honor you through your journey. Also, that's what my, my counselor did that she was not specifically a trauma counselor, which I'd looked for one, but we connected and she, she took me through all the places I needed to go. She didn't know yeah. like the terminology of like childhood, emotional neglect. She right. wasn't. I learned that term last year, no, 2020, 
there's a blur that's right. In 2019, I learned um, childhood emotional neglect, but how my uh, counselor identified it is I shared something and she went, what? She said, something went terribly wrong. I'm like, huh? You know, like, you know, like you, lock, you see a dog and he turns his head like he hears a strange noise. That's kind of like yes. how I responded to that because it was just my normal. And that's part of going through the, the process is you have to discover that what was your normal really wasn't normal. And you deserve so much better than that. You deserve a better life than that. You deserve to be treated with honor and respect and to know you're loved and valued. And that's what you can gain through going through counseling to reclaim what rightfully belongs to you because it was stolen through this trauma. Well, and, and, and interestingly, my, I had a younger brother who uh, was 22, graduated from college in May and was killed in a car accident in, in July and, in 1984. And, and then I have an older brother who's 13 years my senior. He's a half brother, but very close. Um, so when, when my younger brother passed in 1984 and my older brother was gone, my mother's ire, for lack of a better term, her laser-like focus on how to manipulate and control me focused exclusively on me. And I was powerless. Looking back, it's easy to say, how could I have done that? Or, or how did I allow that to happen? You didn't allow that to happen. Right. People, and typically, the, and, and trauma is trauma. And when yes. the people are close to you and your family, mm -hmm. some of the people who are supposed to keep us the most secure mm -hmm. do the most damage. And well, we tell ourselves, yeah. oh, I'll be fine. And of course, we're not. <laughs> right. Well, like you had said at the beginning here, that the emotional abuse started when you were five. That's the So you did not have the tools by the time you're talking about when this brother died and your mom's ire, as you called it, mm -hmm. came after you, you had been raised and already molded by the trauma. So you were in reaction mode due to all that trauma until you started to deal with it. You didn't have the tools. And like I say over and over and over again, and I have a meme I share over and over and over again, the children are not to blame for their trauma. <laughs> well, you said something about normal in your life. Mm -hmm. And back in 2000, I, I was visiting my brother in Florida mm -hmm. and my wife and I were there and um, we, my brother and I were just discussing our childhoods and mm -hmm. we look over and she's crying. And she came from this wonderful, oh, amazing, I call him the wall. For. She's, oh, it's so bad. And our response in unison was, but it was normal for us. It yeah. was normal. We didn't know normal. Right. Our normal is not normal. Right. And that's the message that we need to get out to people who are living in the pain of that not normal, normal. So they right. can go, oh, really? That wasn't normal. And then they can do something about it and, you know, right. build a better but we life. Thought it was. <laughs> I lost you for a minute there. Froze. That's the that's how technology yeah, does things sometimes. <laughs> We're fine. It's fine. You were, I was listening. I could hear you even though you were frozen. <laughs> well, that's good. It was just my picture frozen. I'm not frozen. <laughs> it starts to right, now I got exactly. that song in my head of, you know, let it go, let it go from the movie. <laughs> well, if I may just add briefly, and I'm, 
it's not to diminish. Uh, I'm specifically talking about men because that's who, to whom I can relate the most. Oh, yes, please, please. Men, in my experience, tend to bury it and then try to numb it with alcohol, drugs, denial. And what happens is you're just exacerbating the problem or you're putting more problems on top of other problems. Mm-hmm. When I was in, an, I was in a, lunch, uh, a lunch or a dinner with a couple of uh, trained therapists, actually, friends of mine, and a woman who'd retired, a therapist told me, the odds of becoming a substance abuser, if you are abused as a male, are 800% greater. Uh-huh. Now, that just makes sense. If you think about it, six, it just makes sense. It's, you're trying, you're saying, it, it's okay. And we are raised in society that we can't cry, we can't hurt, it'll be okay, just toughen up, suck it up, buttercup. That is the worst advice you can yeah. be given because it just continues. It's, it's, it's an emotional, for lack of a better term, it's an emotional cancer mm-hmm. and it will eat and eat and eat. And as much as you give it, it will take. Yeah. And eventually you wind up losing yourself. Right. And, and you're, you're right. How you say it's an emotional cancer. Well, that's, that's an emotional picture of what happens to the body because trauma will be somatized in the body. If you don't deal with it, it somatizes, which means it, it has physical effects in your physical body. There's the, uh, the viscerage, or I was just reading about that. It affects our gut and our heart. Our emotions affect physically our gut and our heart and trauma that's not addressed. It causes sicknesses and diseases and the percentages of higher diabetes and cardiac um, health problems and all kinds of other health problems because of trauma that is not addressed and it, and it kills people. I would have shared this on uh, my podcast just the other day or it's coming up. I forgot when I, did. I scheduled a whole bunch of them, got lost in the timeline a little bit, but I had had a dream and that I had to do a Facebook live about how important it is to deal with trauma because unaddressed trauma has the power to kill people. And I have lost a number of people to that because they, they get sick because they don't deal with the trauma and it goes inward. It, it, it causes cancer, it causes all kinds of other things, but people who will deal with it, then they, they live longer, they can regain their life. And I've just, I've seen it in people's lives. I, I've watched it, I've been a witness to it. And it just, that's why I'm so driven to encourage people to please deal with it. Don't let it go underground. It, it, it gets worse if it goes underground. It's like planting a dynamite underneath the ground. <laughs> That's right. And you asked earlier how I dealt with it. I mentioned the, the literature, but mm-hmm. um, and, and I want to say something about my father. Um, he's one of the greatest men I've ever known. I wouldn't be the man I am today had it not been for him. He didn't leave. He didn't abandon me. I, he, I tried to reach out to him for five years and found out my mother was blocking that attempt mm-hmm. for years. Um, it was my stepmother who flew me out to Vegas when I was a sophomore in college, and I redeveloped a relationship with my dad. He was my first coach. He, I was born, and we spoke, I was born prematurely, and I wasn't supposed to live 24 hours, and I had all kinds of physical things, and my father never let me be a victim. He put me wow. on ice skates. He, he encouraged me to succeed, and um, my mother always wanted to coddle me. 
Now, mm-hmm. it wasn't cruel what my dad did. And by the time I was 18 years old, I discovered the gym. I was an athlete. But sports was a way out. Yeah. And the most extreme for me is something that I did in college and I do now is I was a competitive skydiver. That's and awesome. I was on a national team. And I used to get to altitude at the time it was about 9,000 feet and say, the B word can't get me here. <laughs> and, and recently I started jumping again and, and I got up to altitude last year and I had that same thought and she's been dead since 2006. And I wound up being her caregiver, by the way, through four brain aneurysms. So that's a whole different situation. I right. became the codependent son. And it it sounds, actually, like you, sounds like you need to write a book as I'm well, listening to this. I've heard more of this. Sounds like you need to write a book because we can't fit all of this into this short little interview to share with people because you, you do. You have such a profound recovery. It's so many things you have faced and well, the different ways you have faced it and what has worked and what has not. And this has given a measure of help. And so I just I thank you for making yourself vulnerable here live for people to hear and to share with the world that there is hope, no matter what kind of trauma you have been through, no matter if it was at five or at 12 or 16 or 19, whether it was emotional or sexual or through death or through, you know, a portion of fatherlessness or kind of motherlessness because your mom was ill and all the different varieties. I mean, trauma comes with so many different faces and I just want to, encourage people to deal with it. So Jeff, what is one thing you would leave with the people here? It's with a man that would say, you know, I just, I'm just, I don't, I don't, I'm just not going to deal with it. What would you say to someone that is just so stubborn and would not deal with their pain and it's just tearing their life away? What would you say to them? What I say and what I would say is where, are you happy with where you are now? If you, if you take an emotional audit. If you look at yourself and look in the mirror, do you like what you see? Be honest. And if the answer is no, then my question is, what are you going to do to change it? And if there was a way to change the way you feel and become the person you were meant to be before someone stole that from you, mm-hmm. would you be willing to at least explore the opportunity? Because as someone who's been through it, and I didn't get into it until 2012, I would say to them, if I had one wish, I wish I had done at 20 what I did at 58, whatever it was, 53. So if if, if you like the idea of being more than you are, please explore the possibility. Talk to someone. Even if it's just once, find out if there's hope for you, because I know as someone who's lived through it and come out the other side, there's hope for everyone. But until you do it, you won't believe me. So if you could just just do one thing, try, try to be the person you were meant to be and stop being the person you are, because if you don't like that person, you've got to make a change and you can't do it by yourself. And And it's worth it. Wow, that's great. That's great. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you for being here with me today. And uh, I will uh, talk to you some more in just a couple minutes, okay? Thank you, Danielle. All righty. So thank you everyone for being with us here today and listening to Jeff share part of his story and 
yet you, as you hear that, you can hear there's so much more than what he was even able to share in this, just this brief time with you. And so I just wanna implore you again to please do something, listen to what Jeff said. If you have a friend who needs to hear this, please share this video, this podcast, wherever you're coming across it, because you deserve to be free. You deserve to live the life you were born for. And I'm Danielle Burnock and I love you, that lady on the internet who loves you. I want you to go from surviving to thriving because you matter. And so until next time, I love you. Thank you so much for listening to the Victoria Souls Podcast. You matter and you are loved. We'd love to connect with you further. So please visit us at daniellebernock.com and grab a copy of Danielle's free audiobook. And remember, only you can change your life. No one can do it for you.